This episode is powered by Tom DeLeo Day Financial Planning Services. On today's episode of Black Girls Getting Their Shift Together. How women show up for sex. And when I say show up for sex, it's like, I, I know some people's mind is automatically like, show up like, yes, I'm here to serve you. Like, really like show up for yourself. This episode is sure to deliver stimulating conversations and aha moments that may give you a fresh perspective. If any moment made your soul vibrate, please leave us a review and let us know if we're on the right track. Also, we release episodes every Tuesday, so be sure to subscribe and visit BlackGirlsGettingTheirShiftTogether.com to access exclusive offers and coaching packages. The coaching packages include clarity calls, VIP one-on-one exclusive coaching, and my absolute favorite, the Tribe Vibes. A Tribe Vibe is a twist on ladies' night, focusing on self-care for black women with a holistic approach. Welcome to Black Girls Getting Their Shift Together. I'm your host, Ursula, a transformation life coach and mental health and wellness advocate. This is a safe space for amazing Black women to share open, honest dialogue about mental health and wellness, self-care, self-love, and basically how to get our shift together. Let's tune in to this week's episode. By any means and be with self-esteem Beauty supreme and booty walk so mean The way you fit in them jeans You eat your cornbread and greens Dance or a doctor, red wine or vodka Redesign your spot and redefine your mantra Retwist your locks and realign your chakras Doing your squats and getting closer to God, huh? Brunching with your squad or taking a girl's trip Adjust your crown, you guys give to the world, sis Celestial body, drink your water Meditate, sun kiss goddess, heavenly order Levitate, tribe of Ashanti Black girl magic Melanin popping, whether you ratchet or lavish, whether you bougie or savage, you a gift and a treasure. You got to love a black girl getting a shift together. Black girls are getting a shift together. These black girls getting a shift together, man. These black girls are getting a shift together. These black girls getting a shift together, dog. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Black Girls Getting Their Shift Together. This is a podcast about mental health and wellness, as well as self-empowerment for Black women. I'm your host, Ursula. I'm a transformation life coach and a mental health and wellness advocate. And each week, I promise to deliver relevant topics and resources that affect our community. That way, you can ignite your fire from within. We're going to get right into it. Um, I just want to give some motivation about this particular podcast. As some of you all may or may not know, August is Wellness National Wellness Month. So everybody thinks of wellness, you know, the bubble baths and this, um, I don't know, pedicures, massages. But sexual wellness is also self-care. That cannot go ignored. So I figure I'm going to ask someone who is a therapist. So you're getting some professional words as well as a sex worker. And she's, I'm going to let her explain it. Oh, hi, Patrice. Hey, Deborah. Okay, we're going to get right into this. I'm going to introduce this beautiful sister. Hello. Hello, hello, hello. How you doing, Jasmine? <laughs> I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Welcome to Not My Kitchen. I'm traveling right now. So this is the best Wi-Fi is in this corner. And this is where we're going to be. And we're <laughs> going to get right into it. And yeah. there's a reason why she's called Jet Setting Jasmine, because she is not home. <laughs> if you follow her Instagram, which I please, I want you to go follow her. I'm going to put, actually, her links are in the show description box. And if you go on her Instagram, you're going to see where she is. Literally, she's jet setting everywhere across the country. 
<laughs> Thank you. So here we are. Happy Wellness Month. Happy Wellness Month. You know, I decided to ask you because you do the wellness and <laughs> unapologetically with it. But for Thank those you. who do not know, Jasmine, this lovely Jasmine has been on, I think, in February. And it was a really good podcast episode. So I decided to reach out and she said yes. So for those who have not met Jasmine, she is known as Jet Setting Jasmine. She's a licensed clinical therapist with a strong emphasis on intimacy, post-injury, and intimacy post-illness. She is the co-owner with her partner, King Noir, of award-winning Royal Fetish Films and has over 20 years of experience as an adult entertainer, educator, and master fetish trainer. Speaking of that, that video with that blue background and all the pop, 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 pop. Oh, yes, yes, yes. That was sexy. Hot. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We're going to get right into it before the Wi Fi blows up. So, today's <laughs> topic is why do women fake orgasms? So I was uh, motivated and inspired by Dr. Erica. She's also been on the podcast and she had a really good uh, infographic about why mm -hmm. women, mm -hmm. you saw that, right? I did. So, wasn't that kind of mm -hmm. cool? So we can go through that. Uh, let me. Yeah, I'd love to. I, that was, I was thinking the same thing. I was like, oh, this is perfect. It's a great conversation starter. Isn't it? um, it's a great conversation starter within yourself. And I mean, as we go through, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you one of the things that I was thinking as we're approaching, you know, time for us to have this conversation is like, you know, why do, you know, like, why do, like, why have I? And then kind of like thinking back, it's not necessarily for one particular reason, you know? And it's, I mean, that's kind of like the beauty of women, right? Um, and how we, present sexually if we allow ourselves to present in our own in our own personal way that we're going to have all of these different reasons for why we do or don't do things and so I love that infographic because it gave me a chance to go like oh yeah I've done it for that reason before like oh no with him like no it wasn't for that <laughs> so yeah if we could see it I would love that hi Patrice <laughs> yeah, Patrice. How you doing, Patrice? Patrice said, "Jet setting, Jasmine, come through, Queen." Yeah, trying to, trying to. <laughs> so let's talk about the infographic. So one mm -hmm. of the reasons uh, Dr. Erica put was to please a partner. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What are mm -hmm. your thoughts on that? Yeah, you know, so it's this um, altruistic deceit, really, you know, this thought of making your partner feel better, but it's deceitful. So it's kind of, you know, is that really an ethical compliment, so to speak? Or are you lying? Does that really, I mean, would it make you feel good to know that you were not pleasing your partner or you were not bringing your partner to this level of ecstasy? And now you may not know how, because this deceit, um, only to learn that they were doing this to make you feel better. It doesn't. It doesn't actually have the impact that we that we may be uh, intending when we are trying to make our partner feel better. Um, and so, I usually take pause with that example, and I ask, "How about you? Do you feel better?" <laughs> you know, when we kind of talk about, it, like, oh, no, no, I don't. But what about some women who are people pleasers and mm -hmm. mm -hmm. all aspects, not really particularly to the bed, but sometimes it can flow over into intimacy? Sure. Um, you know, I think that whenever we're bringing any form of dishonesty into our relationships, not necessarily in bed, that we're really setting us and our partners up for anything other than pleasure. Right. So when we think we're people pleasing, are we people pleasing in that very moment of faking that orgasm or saying that fake or dishonest compliment? Um, or are we setting ourselves up for sustainable pleasure? Right. So, you know, we have to kind of think about that, like even to say that was really enjoyable. No, I didn't have an orgasm, but I really enjoyed that time that 
that can be pleasing too. It's honest, um, right? Or even if it is, I didn't have an orgasm and this is how I think I may be able to achieve that with you in the future. It's honest and it's hopeful, right? It's saying that I would like to see you again, um, but there are some things that we need to, ex- you know, wh- whatever. What, mm-hmm. But the leading with dishonesty and sort of covering it up with pleasure and pleasing, I don't buy that as a, um, I do buy it as a reason. I don't buy it as a good or honorable reason. Yeah, it sounds like it's inauthentic, which I've been guilty of. Same, same. And honestly, it's manipulative. You know, I never thought about it like that. No, and when I think it's on the infographic as well. Like I want it to end. Like I want sex to end. So I think the I think it says something along those lines. It did. What is what is is that one that pertains to that specifically? We can kind of pick them out as our discussion is going. Well, the infographic has a clock, and it said the reasons why women fake it. Another reason is to get it over with. Okay. So now with that one, the one that I was thinking is like, I've never, uh, excuse me, my, my, um, flatmate, uh, sneeze. God bless you. I <laughs> can't be rude now. <laughs> so, um, the, with the infographic and, and talking about time, I thought that that was really interesting. Cause I was just like, Oh yeah. Like that has, you know, like, has that been, uh, one of those reasons? And, it's not so much, um, I think that I find that to be manipulative to use that as a reason because we can on we can just communicate honestly, like, I'm good, or whew, that's enough for tonight or for today. Right. But some people, including myself, mm-hmm. I've been there before. Sometimes it's hard to communicate that. I think we do we make it hard on ourselves because yeah. it really is just being authentic, right? That's all it is, right? So, okay, when we kind of think about, I, we're making these justifications for lying. Like sometimes it's hard, so I just tell a little lie, right? <laughs> sometimes it's really, I don't want to hurt anyone's feelings. So I just kind of make them think they know what they're doing with my body. And, you know, and it's like, and that is really a breadcrumb. I make them think that they hit the spot. I act as if I'm done because I just want it to be over. And then we're creating this sexual behavior that is obviously unsatisfying, really to both partners, one partner maybe unknowingly. And when then are we going to switch it up in 15 years or in three right. years and go like, oh, yeah, actually, I'm not a quickie person. It's just, <laughs> you know, like, um, so kind of, you know, one lie begets another, right? And that's why we're having this conversation on the podcast. If women could just tell that one lie and go on with living a life of pleasure and correct that with their partners, we wouldn't be having this discussion, but it's obvious that that one little lie um, or that one little act of trying to whatever, justify the reason for faking this orgasm to ourselves and our partners are causing problematic behavior. It's it's causing a problem because not everyone wants to know like, why, why do we do this? And, Obviously, our partners want to know and they're confused. Am I satisfying my partner? Am I helping my partner achieve pleasure? Or is this thing Mm -hmm. that people talk about? Is it true? And yeah, it is true because here we are, two sexually healthy, uh, you know, people with positive, healthy sexual attitudes that are sharing. There have been reasons why we have chosen this seemingly little lie um, that really frames our sexual experience and our partner's sexual experiences as well. I love that. Um, To answer your question or piggyback on it, I'm going to read what Deborah, and this shows it because I've been there also. She says, I Mm -hmm. think we're trying not to crush the ego. Okay. So Deborah, um, Paul, Deborah, Paul and or Deborah. Hey, y'all, the Scots. (laughs) yeah you know i think that's right that that goes in there with the justification of i just want my partner to feel good right and this idea of crushing the ego my orgasm doesn't have anything to do with anyone else's ego i think that's where we as you know women have to even make a stance for ourselves if we claim all of our you know autonomy over our 
our bodies and our sex and our sexual expression, like our partners are support our sexual expression, they support our sexual health, um, but are they responsible for our orgasms? Now, if they were responsible and it was due, you know, and, and there's, and then that may be attached to their job, their ego, so to speak. But it's our our duty to advocate for our pleasure. It really is. Uh, it really, really, really is. And so why have we attached how our body responds to touch, how our body responds to the environment, how our body responds to our own personal stress? Mm-hmm. Why are we attaching how our body responds to external stimuli to someone's ego? That belongs to him. That's almost to think that you have this power to like, to like crush or build someone's psyche with your little lie. <laughs> right. You, this is why I love having you on. For some women who find it challenging, I would like you to answer this in a two-part question. Okay. How okay. can a woman from a therapist's point of view say, babe, I'm not having these orgasms. And then how would the 20 year um, adult film actress say it? Oh, that's that's a good, yeah. I think I learned that language actually before getting into into the adult film um, world. But it may be around around the same time. Um, And, you know, part of that is, part of that was having partners in the past that asked that question of like, did you come? And, and, and having asked in a very, like, they, you kind of know what that answer, what they want the answer. It almost has become like the way you say to somebody like, hi, how you doing? And you say, I'm okay. I'm good. You know, it's like, you don't even think about it. And so that's kind of a lot of my sexual experience. It was like, did you come? It's like, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, okay, yeah. Moving, because, moving on. <laughs> because if in, in in those situations, if if I had and, and I'm it's sort of definitely merging the experiences of a lot of women around this time that I was communicating with and have over over the over my career, if we say no, then it's like, oh, then then gotta do something. And that part of that is not understanding one, maybe our partner's not understanding how pleasure works for us. Right. Um where sometimes we can have like this earth shattering orgasm. Sometimes we have, um, I actually last night I said I had a low medium and a high, right? So like, this what does that mean? A Explain. low orgasm, a medium orgasm, and uh, I, I'm still partially out of this world. I'll be back all the way fully sometime I next love week. It. <laughs> <laughs> but um, oftentimes we can't explain to our partners what. If how to answer, we don't even know how to answer that question. Did you come? Mm -hmm. So do you, do you know if you had an orgasm? Have you had an orgasm? How, what do those orgasms look like and feel like to you? I do think that women have to do a lot of, a lot of homework before we start getting worried about the male ego and psyche. I I think it is super important Mm -hmm. for us to worry uh, or to be concerned with our understanding of self. That question, did you come as a woman, has been very intimidating because two things, if you did and he didn't notice, did I? Was that the come that he was expecting? Men, you know, external are able to to express that like tangibly. Right. (laughs) It had orgasm, at least if we're talking about this one particular type of orgasm Um, for women because we only get to see one type and style of orgasm when we look at like movies, you know, it's like, ah, ah, like we don't all come like that. That's a pretty come right there. Why, thank you. <laughs> thank you. That's my zoom come. <laughs> That's my podcast come. Right. Okay, but if, if my partner is always looking for that response, which my body doesn't always give, I may feel pressured to respond that way every time when really we're able as lay people, not porn star people, to be able to like, you know, I don't orgasm that way every time, right? Sometimes it looks different. Sometimes I don't at all. Or maybe just having a conversation with our partners about what our orgasms look like, um, how we're not likely to have them, 
how we are very likely to have them, what positions tend to work. So to answer your question, I think it may sound like, you know, the, the last time we had sex, like let's, uh, the last time we had sex and I was on top of you, that felt really good. And I felt so much closer to having a climax when I was um, grinding closer to your, to your pelvis. Right. Right. So I'm not saying you don't make me come. I'm not saying I don't want to have sex with you anymore. And I'm not saying you knock it out the park every, I'm not lying. I'm saying of the sex that we've had, this is when I felt really good. And in this position, I was the closest that I have been. I'd like to explore that position more. I think in that position, that's when I think I want to go and get my toy because I, I found that I have a different orgasm when I have my toy. I'd like to combine the two. I love it. Okay. You can still stroke ego. You can still be kind. You can still do all of those things and be honest. And you can, of all of these things, be honest and respect what's actually happening in your and body. gentle with it, too. Totally gentle. Because coming harsh... Coming at no. him harsh, that's to me, that's not, that's kind of productive. It's not going to work. No. And if you are coming at your partner defensively, then you may want to ask yourself, like, what about yourself you're projecting into that? Is it embarrassment? Is it, you know, um, is it disappointment that maybe you thought that sex would unfold this way for you. But honestly, it takes a lot of work to develop good chemistry, to get those, um, to have that kind of pleasure with a partner every single time. Like that's a lot of pressure to be in sync sexually and physically all the time. So I think, you know, this expectation of even ha needing to have an orgasm to fake, like just like if when, when I let that pressure go, like, oh, I mean, you mean I could feel good? I could just like, <sighs> breathe be. real good, get a little bit of energy out and just keep going about my day. Right. And no, I don't have to do this. Oh, was it believable or not stint? <laughs> right. Like I could just have pleasurable sex. Um, that takes out half the lies. If you, right. if, if you just cut off the fact that you don't always necessarily have to have an orgasm with partnered sex. And then the second part of that said that lie would be helping your partner to better please you, but you being responsible for bringing that to the table um, and being and providing the instructions, the support and guidance to meet your sexual health needs. Yes. I remember in the last podcast we did, you said, don't waste your drops. <laughs> <laughs> but it makes sense. Don't waste yeah. it. You know, yeah. just go for it. But, mm -hmm. you know, um, after reaching out to you, I started reading a lot and researching and I was listening to this other podcast. Uh, I forgot the therapist's name, but they also work at the Kinsey Institute. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. She said that she interviewed women over 40 on their experiences with orgasms. Mm -hmm. And she said several of the, of the women never had an orgasm. They mm -hmm. never touched themselves. It came with a lot of toxic shame with it. Mm -hmm. And one woman, I believe she was 56. She, she had such a hang up in her head that because her kids were down the hallway on the other side of the house, she didn't want the kids to possibly hear anything, which I understand, yeah. but it totally shut her brain down mm -hmm. from being able. Yeah. And she never had an orgasm until she was mm -hmm. 56 years old mm -hmm. after all the kids left the house. So to that woman's experience, you know, especially with the, the, the age range and kind of going back to that idea of just, I'm going to go back to like media and literature around that time around women's orgasms. It's like this thing that we couldn't control this hysteria, this, again, that like outer body, ah, ah, you know, as if like, I am very much aware when I'm having an orgasm of where I am, what, what controls I need to put in place, what level of allowing myself to let go versus uh, allowing myself to experience pleasure in a certain constraint. But this is what happens when we have not explored our own bodies, when we have allowed other people's, you know, how do you say it? Uh, other people's 
perception of sex to guide ours. So when we let the male gaze or porn tell us how orgasms look and feel and how women respond out of fear of having that reaction when your kid is asleep, you're bound to this one one idea, this one image. Um, I know for us, we've started to, for my partner and I, we have children and we use sex as a verbal restraint in itself. Like, what do you mean by that? So we know we can't be, you know, so loud and like we're having hotel sex lately. So this is great. But <laughs> at home, you know, it's like we have to keep to be respectful and appropriate. We have to keep the volume down. And so we like play a game with each other where he's like really like putting in the work and I am working to which makes everything that much more intense. And so like working that in, um, just even that in itself can share, you do have control of yourself, your sex and your body. This, um, you know, but part of that is playing and exploring with yourself, right? When we're with our partner, it can be this like, what if I'm losing control or I'm ready to, I don't want to scream and he keeps going, Mm-hmm. We learn how to control those those things in our bodies, and we know our levels when we enjoy our bodies by ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, the other part to that, with um, you know, being instructional, this is like some new age shit where you can talk to your partner about ways to have sex, and there's podcasts on every t- possible type of sex that you can possibly be having. But our moms, our aunts. Hell, our friends that are of the tad bit older than us, um, we're not having these kinds of conversations about sex. And many of them, you know, many of them still are not. And I think it's so important for us to be able to talk to our, um, to, to be in alignment with, if I've never had an orgasm, am I faking having an orgasm because I'm embarrassed one, that I don't know what it really looks like, sounds like. I'm afraid that I'm going to lose control. Um, or even there's pressure for me to perform and I don't know what else I'm supposed to be doing. So I yes. just make it stop and have an orgasm. And all every single one of those reasons are for us to take responsibility for why am I showing up in any area of my life dishonest? And how can I correct that to show up as honest um, as I possibly can for me? Mm-hmm. That part, like for me, that's the only, only person you really fool in is you. Because I'm assuming in a lot of these situations, the partner is quote unquote satisfied, at least from an or- orgasmic right. standpoint. But you, you know, are internally lying to yourself holding yourself back. And then obviously secondhand, your partner is not having the fullest sexual experience that they can have with you either. If you're not guiding their experience with your body. Mm. I love what you said earlier, how you said that you taking everything when you're having sex, not the performance part, right? When you're with your partner. So I always, I'm big on mindfulness and meditation, but Mm. listening to you, you can have mindful sex as well. Absolutely. I you mean, I think all your senses, all your senses. Absolutely. Um, I love, you know, the many different ways that like if sex does not equal orgasm. Mm. Okay. So I think, you know, just learning that, that math <laughs> is again, like how can we take some of this pressure around orgasms down? Because I feel like Orgasms are incredibly important, but it feels like there's so much pressure on them, right? The more pressure they are, the harder they are, it feels to at least attain or to explore, or feel comfortable exploring it. So, um, you know, how do we help reduce that pressure for our, our couples that are here? And part of that, I think, is giving permission for orgasm-less sex, partnered sex. Meaning, is- how does that look? So, so I'll, I'll tell you for like me and my partner, it may be like, we're having sex and then like, you know, I I have to go to work and that's like, it ends like, I got to get up. No, for real. I got to get up. I'll see you later. Right. Where's the orgasm? It's okay. Whether we have one or not, 
So that way when we are actively, you know, like let's just say we have time for a long, there's never the pressure and the focus is not on the orgasm. We have already established that it's okay that we not. Or um, sometimes we will just decide, like I'll say, can I have my toy? I want to see, uh, I want to see you stroke while I use my toy. Right. So I'm directing like, yeah, I would like to have an orgasm right now. I know exactly what kind I'd like to have. And I know what, what kind is going to get me there in about two minutes and a half. <laughs> and then I want to relax in this orgasm and I want to watch you produce your own. Mm, um, that's hot. I like you. that. I like that. A couple of things that I'm learning when when doing that is one, I'm getting I'm I'm taking care of my body in a way that I know exactly how I want it to be cared for. I'm inviting you to participate by watching in in being a part of my sex. And I'm watching how you take care of your body. So when you give me the honor of stroking you to your orgasm, I actually know I don't have to ask you, did you come? I know I brought you there because I did the thing that I watched you do with your body. You know what I'm saying? Like the same thing my partner watches me masturbate. They don't have to ask me if I come because they will have been able to see, oh, that's how her body responds. Oh, her clit. Oh, she holds it there. Oh, when she does the shaky, shaky thing. (laughs) You know what I mean? Right. Why not partner, partner with the people that we're sleeping with instead of lying to them? You know, so Deborah, this may answer your question. She wrote, I will never understand that. How can you teach what you don't know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. There you go. So I think, it's the, yeah, I think it's the exploring fully. I, I, I really do. I'm not saying even um, I, I'll, I'll give you an example. I've, I've, I've like squirted before in my life, but I've never con- like considered that a consistent part of my my sexual repertoire. And the minute I turned 40, that changed. And so I can't teach anybody how to make me squirt right now. I'm I'm learning. This is new this year. So <laughs> me and my partners, it's like, look, either you want to get wet or you don't. It's 50-50 chance. I don't know. Let's figure it out together. So this idea of partnering with to understand what pleasure is right now for me. And having to even share with my, my partners, this is like, um, you know, like, I know that I know that you squirted. Is are you good? Like, is that a good release for you? Like, letting me know or, or understanding that sometimes my orgasm is tied to that ejaculation squirt. Sometimes right. it's not. And the question of Are you good? Do you feel good? Are you pleased? Is so much more inviting and, and expansive of sex and gentle than Did you come? <laughs> So, so the partners that I have now um, that still kind of operate from this, like worry that women are having fake orgasms are not really worried how to respond if a woman has not orgasmed. If I've had sex with them and they have come to me with this, you know, did you come? Um, I say, no, but I feel very pleased. I feel very relaxed in my body. Yes. I feel better than I did when we started. I'm good. Thank you. Right. Or I say, no, you know, what would make me come if you reach over and get me my toy and you yeah. sit right here and you watch me. I might have an orgasm. I might go to sleep. Either one, close the door on your way out. <laughs> <laughs> you are so cute. I love it. I'm going to read a, a Patrice's. Hey, Patrice. Patrice says, I've been guilty of all of the above, but really gets me is I know grown women, I guess that's women, grown women, grown Mm -hmm. over 30 plus women that say they've never had an orgasm before. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And she also said that some women and men don't even know or ever heard Mm -hmm. of a G before. Yeah. I mean, it, it's it's true. And like, there's so many things that we just don't, you know, we don't get any type of education on. And sex is one of those things like after a certain age, if you are not a self-seeker of information and knowledge, you just don't know. You're only going to know what you know from what people present to you. Mm-hmm. And if I have left my orgasms to my partner's, 
I wouldn't have had one either. And that's no, no shade to them at all. How can they know my body? And of course, you know, there's some people you luck out with that you're just like, oh my God, it's like, you know, hand in glove. How, who knew? <laughs> you know, but most of the time it takes some, it takes some figuring out. And I think we put so much pressure on someone else to, to, yeah. to give us this experience that is really like the beautiful gift that we have to give ourselves. Um, uh, for those people who, who have shared that they haven't had an orgasm and there isn't anything that is um, uh, medically um, medically wrong or even mental health in terms of trauma and its response on the body physically. So I think it's important for us to make sure that we caveat what we're talking about, that right. there are people who do in fact have sexual health disorders um, and have sexual dysfunctions. And there all are also people who have mental health issues and trauma related issues that do make orgasming, arousal and all of those things very challenging. Well, but today- is- Oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. Um, I, I feel like today we are um, not speaking specifically to that population because we would be really glazing over it. I'm really hoping that today's conversation is supporting those people who have had shame around exploring their bodies um, who or who are placing the responsibility um, in, in of their pleasure in the hands of someone else or those that are denying themselves pleasure because of their, their partner's um, ego, as was mentioned, or making their partner feel good. So I just don't want those that are listening who are struggling with things like trauma or um, vaginal atrophy or menopause or all of the many things that can interfere interfere with our ability to have self-pleasure and orgasm to feel like this is dismissive, like our conversation is dismissive. Can you explain? Well, before that, um, (laughs) when you said vaginal atrophy, is that related to when women say, well, it hurts too much. That's why I can't yeah, have an orgasm. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah, for many, and and that's not necessarily, I know somebody might want to be like, well, I'm young and no, not necessarily an age thing, you know, not necessarily a mom thing. There's so many conditions, medications, um, hormonal imbalances, so many things that can have an impact on um, the vaginal, our vaginal dryness. Right, um, our clitoral, uh, our clitoral atrophy, like does does it expand when we're excited? Our libido, are we stressed to the point that we have trouble getting aroused? Um, does vaginal dryness create vaginal tearing? Mm-hmm. Are we also afraid if we're faking orgasms? Are we faking the need for lube? Oh, you somebody is mad at me today. <laughs> You know, you need a little, just get, just ask for it. Just go, hope oh, one more. Let me get some of that. I'm not trying to walk around here with no tears in my vagina. Exactly. And then oh. you'll be lube shamed. This is like, get it. That's what it's get for. It. There is, you know, the, what took, what allowed me to get over the lube, a lot of things, but one thing in particular was thinking about there's a whole aisle that is dedicated to lubes. And when I'm not just talking about what you see at like CVS or Walmart, if you just typed in the word lube, there are thousands of brands, styles and types. If I believe in nothing else, I know how this capitalistic society works and they're not pumping that shit out there because no one is using it. Right. You know what? As a matter of fact, I'm glad you said that because I had to do some research. There is a doctor here in Atlanta I think it's called Momentum. Anyways, it's a Black-owned company, and he creates lube as well as condoms, and it's Black-owned. Yes, I have to look for it. I follow him on Instagram. Yeah. I'm not, um, you know, the way that we, the things that we need to normalize around sex um, and this, like, how women show up for sex, and when I say show up for sex, it's like, I, I know some people's mind is automatically like, show up like, yes, I'm here to serve you. Like really like show up for yourself for sex. Like, what right. do you need? What take do you need to have agency. good sex? Right? Yeah, take, take agency. Like, think about everything else we do. For a bath, girl, we had the whole spread. We got the bath bombs, the oil, the incense. Da, 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 da. Like we are prepared to have pleasure, a pleasurable bath. 
we go to the nail salon. We know it's going to be two weeks. So I'm going to get the gel set. And so like, you know, you kind of think these things through. We prepare. But somehow when it comes to sex, we like to like, <gasps> like you just fell into it, you know? And if we don't prepare ourselves and actually know what does it for us, what doesn't do it for us, what we need to communicate in advance, then we're going to have hit or miss experiences that we wind up lying about. Right. Mm -hmm. So my suggestion is um, one, doing that self exploration of being able to determine for yourself, can I orgasm? Mm -hmm. If so, how do, how do I enjoy it best? How would I enjoy it with, you know, how, what would enhance this if a partner was here? Those type of things, just look, get to know your body first and right. foremost. You know, or even asking your partner support in learning and exploring your body. Right. Uh, Patrice said, I don't know if you saw it. Patrice, thank you for your comments. She said, yes. facts on facts on facts. <laughs> thank you, Patrice. And Megan Zavia, she said, performance pressure definitely impacts the experience. Mm -hmm. It mm -hmm. really does. Yeah. Do you feel that fear of intimacy as well? Mm hmm. There's, um, especially culturally for us, there's, I, I, I want to talk about pressure, performance pressure briefly, and the fear of intimacy. I just, if you could keep those pins for me so I don't lose them. Sure. Performance pressure, I, I, I just wanted like, just on, for Black women in general, for us to show up sexually um, in a way that's like out of this world and mind blowing. And it's like, there's so many stereotypes that are attached to our sex. Mm -hmm. The same thing for women that are Latina. Um, I'm Panamanian and <gasps> Filipino and- I'm Panamanian too. Oh, look at, <laughs> look at that. Are you kidding me? <laughs> no, I'm not. <laughs> Wow, that's so cool! Look at that right here. Y'all learned something new about both of us. I didn't know either. Oh, that's so okay. dope! But yeah, like how you know the stereotypes that are attached to Latinas that are attached to Black women, um, and when you think about those stereotypes and performance, you know, um, you got to do all of these different things in to to show up as you know as as the expected version of you. And this expected, also the expectation of this orgasm, which somehow is tied to this other person's ego that we made it that way. Right. Right. So I think, you know, it is it, it is important for us to realize, are we performing or are we showing up truthfully, you know, and honestly in, in our own sexual space, our own sexual body, our own sexual preferences. And if we're not sure that's okay. Just start exploring it now. Just start asking this question. Like, am I performing? Do I like what I like? I have like, I, I there's certain things I used to do. I'm like that doesn't even feel good. It's just like, I think it looks cool. Right. It sounds cool. It may look cool. Yeah. But am I enjoying it? And, and, you know, so for me, it's just like, if I'm going to do a performance, I'd like to get paid for it. That's kind of how I have separated my performance and my pleasure. Performance. Sure. If there's pay, pay attached to it, I will second, I will make pleasure secondary to performance. Absolutely. But when it's we are talking, it's a job. But if you're talking about your love life, if you're talking about the your partnerships, your romance, your casual sex, whatever it is, there's no reason why performance should be the primary over pleasure. So if there's no camera, I suggest prioritizing pleasure over performance. Now, the second thing that you talked about with fear of intimacy, let me kind of go back culturally with us and let's just say taking pictures. Do you remember the, especially um, as uh, for those of us for non-American culture, taking pictures was also like this idea of like snapping your soul, right? Mm -hmm. this, um, and so I kind of um, think about so many ways culturally certain expressions are attached to like this taking of your soul, this letting um, or this ex uh, incredible exchange of energy to a power dynamic that may or may not be good for you. Right. And so when I talk to a lot of women about like, you know, letting yourself be vulnerable, not even orgasm. I mean, orgasm is probably, you know, like the, maybe for some people, the ultimate vulnerability, but to be vulnerable is very difficult for us in 
any arena. And, and I use the picture taking example, especially because now we're such a culture of like, take my soul for the selfie, like take it, take it, you know, constantly. But at some point in time, culturally, that was like a too heavy of an exchange of the, you know. Um, and so I just kind of use that non-sexual example to show that we do have a relationship with being vulnerable, allowing people to take control energetically, spiritually. And for many people, uh, orgasm is energetic, spiritual, mm. this this um, state of being that you may not feel completely yourself or in control of. So I do think that when you say that fear of intimacy is spot on this fear of being vulnerable because intimacy and vulnerability to me, you know, are hand in hand. Definitely. If I'm exposed in this way, then, you know, to this person I'm performing for (laughs) and have been for years, (laughs) you know, um, then what happens? So uh, again, focusing on the experience, you know, of sex, sex is an experience. It is not a performance. Mm-hmm. If it is a performance, there should be pay. If there is not pay, talk to me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <I> will, <laughs> we, we'll walk you through that. Oh my God. So everyone, um, we're going to start winding up so we can respect Jasmine's time. Yes. So if you have any questions, have them come in right now. But if not, Jasmine, people sent me questions to ask you. They wanted to remain anonymous. Wonderful. Happy to answer those. Let me just read. (laughs) Deborah said, sister girl. (laughs) Oh, she calls her vagina sister girl. Okay. (laughs) Only Deborah. (laughs) Doesn't react well to And that's okay. This is a, you know, that's another research intensive that the lube that, that I started with is not the lube that I'm at now. Um, and the, you know, and the lube that worked for me towards the end of 30 actually doesn't work quite. So, you know, our bodies change, our chemistry chemistry changes, these chemicals change in these, you know, in these companies and these lubes. My favorite is organic com. All the lube there is clean. I'll chat it. I'll put it in our chat. Okay, good. Mm -hmm. Good, good, good. And Patrice, oh, uh, Deborah, thank you for your comment. And Patrice said, I view it as soul to soul ties with my mate. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I've heard of that before. Yeah. Let me read a question so that we can start winding it. Okay. Let's see. Well, we kind of already answered this for the person. She, I'll read it anyway. But okay. she wanted to know different ways to introduce toys to her husband but doesn't know how. So we covered that. Mm-hmm. Um, also, another person said, will I become addicted to my vibrator? Uh, no. Um, <laughs> I think that is a huge misconception about masturbation. Um, mm-hmm. There is nothing that is going to exchange a human partnership and connection. And I think this year we probably saw it the best. Again, taking this example outside of the bedroom, we substituted a lot of technology, a lot of accommodations because we could not be in each other's physical presence this year. Mm-hmm. But when it, but when we could, that's something that we continue to look forward to. We didn't say like, I'll just deal with my, you know, my robots and my laptops later for humankind. And it's the same thing when it comes to our toys. There are ways that... They really, they really do enhance. They really do make you feel good. You know, you can, there's such a variety of different kinds that you can enjoy and you may get addicted to pleasure in general to, you know, just feeling, feeling good and feeling in control of a lot of causing yourself to you being the cause of your own pleasure. Now I think, and, and addiction is such a, it's such a heavy, heavy word. Um, I can definitely say that the first time that I used a vibrator, I really felt cheated. Like, why didn't anybody Did share you? this with me? Why? I felt like if this was given to me as like an 18 year old and I was able to get some of these same like that release of sex without some of the drama that my brain was not ready for. I probably oh. would have gone through a lot less shit if I could have that physical, that physical pleasure. Um, And not feel that it had to come from someone else. 
it would have kind of balanced the scales a little bit, so to speak. But anyways, um, so for me, you, you know, and having that toy, I've never felt like, oh, I never want another man again, or I never want to have sex with another human. I have felt like when a human is inaccessible to me, or I want to spend time with myself, or I want to please myself, or I want to show my partner how I can please myself, that toy is there, but it never is in replacement. Mm. I hope the person who wrote that to me, I hope you got something from it because I did for sure. Mm -hmm. And I have two more questions, but mm -hmm. that, they just typed it. And I'm sure you saw it. Um, one, oh, one viewer said, why does my orgasms hurt? Mm, okay, so that is, uh, you know, I'm not a medical provider and I would never give anybody one-to-one -one advice without having like a full assessment, you know, of what right. all could be going on. Um, I'm going to put it this way. Sex should not hurt. Sex shouldn't hurt unless that is your specific intention, right? So I am a BDSM fetish practitioner where sometimes people really, really want pain as part of their pleasure. Whole nother show. But if that is not the intention of your sex, then it should, then something needs to change. So even when I'm in a, um, if I'm having person, you know, sex with my partner and we're in a position and it starts to feel uncomfortable, we have to change that position Absolutely. because sex is not supposed to be painful. And that is not why I am doing it. I'm not, you know, for, for me personally, in this example that I'm sharing with you, if being in that position is not to produce pain, then we have to stop there. Um, for me, from a medical perspective, and this is just to kind of share how we don't want to give blanket advice, um, that similar, I was having similar issues with having painful orgasms at post orgasm. So after having this orgasm, then cramps would set in and it was polycystic ovarian syndrome. Oh. So being able to go and talk to a provider is very, very important. Um, if it feels, and I remember for me, I felt really, I was younger, felt really uncomfortable saying like, oh, when I'm having sex, you know? Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, just being able to say after having, you know, if I had to rephrase this now for the child, younger person, I was 19, um, younger person that I was then, I would probably use the language when I am intimate with my partner after I have, you know, I, ha I have pain or when I'm at the height of intimacy, I have pain. I know language can be sometimes really difficult in the medical setting right. to use words like sex, orgasm, climax, my, you know, hell, even our own anatomical language. So we don't have a whole lot of time for us to shift our like our issues with cultural linguistics and sex. We need to get this person that is having painful orgasms help. So I like to give some really neutral, quick language. So just being able to call your doctor or in your doctor's office and saying, mm -hmm. at the height of my um, at the height of my intimacy, I feel pain, and then allowing them to kind of ask questions. So I hope that was helpful to you. I'm sure it was. Um, okay. Oh, Erica, dope discussions with Erica podcast. Oh, favorite podcasters oh she nice wrote, yeah you need to check her out she wrote is there a difference in intensity in an orgasm from clitoral stimulation and vaginal sex that's which a great is question. with isn't it and matter of fact mm -hmm. the last question i had from someone who anonymously anonymously wrote in was that she could only have orgasms via oral stimulation and mm -hmm. then Erica just came up with this. Mm -hmm. So this is great. Yeah. So yeah, this is a great question. And the other one as well. So um, yeah, there is a difference. And I guess the difference more importantly than anything is that it's different for every individual. Mm -hmm. And also if we give our bodies permission to do the range of things that they can do, then we don't limit it to, I only have an orgasm. Um, it starts to sound like to date, I have had orgasms through vaginal sex mm -hmm. to this in my sexual experiences and through my sexual experience, most of my orgasms come from clitoral stimulation. So when we're talking about our bodies in this way, um, 
we're allowing ourselves to have range, you know, because like I was just saying at the beginning of the of our talk, um, or so is that just a year ago, my my stimulation and expression of my stimulation shows up very different. Mm-hmm. And but if I kind of allowed myself, like I only come this way. I would have been clenching that I never experienced the release of um, the ejaculation of squirting. So it's important for us not to get into like, I only come clitorally or I only come vaginally. I want us to start to prefer, um, to preface clitoral stimulation feels good like this. Yeah. And then I like moving into vaginal sex and vaginal sex. I like it to be really, really hard. And that feels really good. And when that doesn't feel any good, any, that, so what we're talking about, again, the experience and not the climax, because if our brain is just like, I only come this way, this is where we're going to want our partner the whole time. And then we lose this beautiful experience of all the other stuff that feels really good. Right. Exactly. You know, those I am statements are very powerful. They're affirmations. I can only come this way. I well, then you are. Then yeah. That's and the, the, you know the person that said you know with only from oral stimulation, um, that's and that's okay, right? So when when you want to have that type of orgasm, then maybe that's when you're going to have that partnered play. But are there mm-hmm. other ways that you also enjoy sex? That maybe if giving yourself this permission to explore these other ways. Perhaps you may have a, a orgasm in a different way. Um, I also was mentioning just to Erica on um, that question to um, to Ursula in the beginning of the podcast. I was saying that like through self exploration and not lying about faking orgasms, even allowing my partners to like go in there and like see what else is what else could be done that I'm open to. Um, is learning different styles of orgasms that I have and, and sharing like yesterday, I was able to experience my, my version of low, medium and high. Right. And so, um, you know, that like, I, you know, I often, I come from clitoral stimulation, but sometimes if I just, if there are no pressures, there's nothing else to do at the end of the day, the kids were in a hotel, nobody, I, I don't have to clean up after the mess then I can unlock all of these other, um, all these other aspects, but it, the, the thought process does not start or stop with that orgasm. It starts and stop with pleasure. And there it is. Hmm. You all have had some great comments come in. I love it. I'm going to end with this last comment from Megan. I think it sums it all up. She wrote, This needs to be part of sex education as the focus tends to be on the anatomical aspect, not pleasure, intimacy, and how it changes as we age. Thank you, Megan. Yes, yes, yes. So this is our sex ed. Let's take it whenever we can get it. We're in, um, you know, college part two. Exactly. If you all have received any kind of um, light bulb moment, put some light bulb emojis in the comment section for Jasmine. And oh, now they're all coming in right now. Then we're going to have to go because Jasmine is with her partner. They're in a hotel across the country and she's not going to waste her drops talking to us. She's got work to do. I hope he. <laughs> Girl, you better get that rose out. <laughs> you know it. You know it. I love it. I'm not gonna Thank say you that all so much. Because they need to give me some um, for advertising fee. So sure do. That was so, their last that their last free this uh, uh free advertisement. First and last, because yeah, I'm a very good customer of them, but no, no more. So. <laughs> Erica said, I think a lot of women, uh, let's see. I think a lot of women, did we read that already? No, 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 no. This can't. I think a lot of women discover orgasms vaginally by themselves because we're not open enough to give directions to our partners. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, Erica. Absolutely. Uh, mm-hmm. And that goes into, mm-hmm. once again, taking agency for yourself. Yeah, that's right. Ah, 
Oh, Celeste. Celeste, the therapist. She was on last week. You need to follow her. She's so dope. Celeste, I do. I definitely do. Please, please share Exploration is so important because so many women have had such a negative experience with sexuality and how it was not discussed. I know they do not feel comfortable, but it is important. Absolutely. It's so important, you know, and there's so many areas where we do this internal work. Um, but when it comes to sexually, we pretend it's optional. And yeah. I don't think that, you know, I mean, obviously it's optional. Anything that we cho- choose to do, even from a healing, good good or bad, it's, it's our choice. But I don't think, when I think about our comprehensive care, I hear people talk about, you know, I go into the doctor, getting checked up, got to get things together straight, right? seeing mental health, working through some things and trauma of the past. And that's so, so, so important as well. But it is really important that our sexual health be pulled into these domains as well. So for those of you who are listening, who are therapists, making sure that your practice is um, informed to actually help people talk about intimacy and sex, even if they don't bring it up, just making it a part of your biopsychosocial. That's something that I definitely do. Um, I, when I ask about relationships and, and, and I ask, um, how is intimacy for you? Um, you know, and it's amazing what people will share if you preface that. And for those of you who are participating in some type of mental health work, it's perfectly okay for you to bring up. I'd also like for us to spend some time at some point on my sexual health and well-being. Okay, mm-hmm. so that same thing for us to take agency over our sexual health care. Um, and I don't just mean disease and dysfunctions. I mean our overall wellness, our attitudes and, and sexual behaviors and our pleasure centers. Um, and then as of obviously as practitioners, helping people recognize that your intimacy is just as crucial as your blood pressure. Yes! <laughs> It may even help the blood pressure decrease a little bit, at least for a couple moments. My God. Yeah. Yeah. When you think about the things that raise your blood pressure, nine times out of 10, they are related to some, not sexual necessarily, but some intimate relationship. Somebody getting on your last nerve. Exactly. (laughs) I have a question. Then we're going to really be done. Okay. 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 Do you use your, your partner's sex toy? Mm-hmm. I do. I do. I do. I use it um, sometimes to like sort of be f- funny or like to have fun when he's out of town. Um, I use it. We use it together. So it's kind of like a threesome, so to speak. Right. Oh my um, so, God. I love uh, it. I do too. Cause it's like an outer body experience and there will never be another him. So that is the closest that I can get to having like two of the most amazing men. <laughs> um, so for those yeah, we who use it with other know, partners. Excuse mm-hmm. me one second. For those who do not know Jasmine's partner or they made a dildo of his penis. Yeah. And it's big. It is. It's true to life. Weight uh, and all. Yeah. <laughs> Look. Yeah. I'm not mad at it at all. Thank you. It's Thank huge. you. That's, that's why that's why self-advocacy is important. When I be like, I'm good. No, trust me, I'm good. I'm good. Uh, I'd be good too, <laughs> sis, for real. So we're gonna end it now. And are there any parting words you just want to uh, share with just- everyone? Thank you so much for having me. I hope this conversation resonated um, with those of you who are listening in. It's so important that like we're here getting our shift together together. Yes. And everyone, please go in the show description box and click on Jasmine's links. She has a lot of them. There's the production. Like it's she's just so well versed in everything. Oh, my God. But um, some of the words that I took away from our conversation was communication, taking agency, using your rhythm, don't waste your drops. And um, that's it. That's a lot right there. A good start with. And get a mirror. Yes, a good one, a good, clean one. Open those legs up and have fun with yourself. Mm Mm-hmm. You all have a good evening. I need to see more light bulbs in the emojis, but Jasmine has to go. Jasmine, thank you so much because you truly are a jet setter. You're everywhere. And you thank you. I'll be in Atlanta up. tomorrow or the next day. 
Yeah, okay. I'll reach out to you. I'll message you. Please do. Good night. Good Have night. fun tonight. Thank you. I sure will. <laughs> all right. I hope you all had Oh, this was a very, very, very informative conversation. It's so well needed. <clears throat> I hope you all have fun tonight. And if you're not with anyone, you do have yourself. So, you know, get get a mirror, lock the, the dog up, close the door, have some fun. <laughs> I'm getting a lot of hearts on that one. Well, yeah, just have fun with yourself and then see how it translates over with your partner. You all have a good evening. If you have any questions for Jasmine or myself, just slide up in our DMs. You all have a great evening. And Angela, I'm not asking that question live. I can't. <laughs> I can't do it. I can't. I want to, but I can't. <laughs> I'm already sweating looking at it. Good night, everyone. <laughs> For the queen, sisters manifesting their dreams. Get your cream by any means and being with self-esteem. Beauty supreme and Buddha walk so mean. The way you fit in them jeans, you eat your cornbread and greens. Dance or a doctor, red wine or vodka. Redesign your spot and redefine your mantra. Retwist your locks and realign your chakras. Doing your squats and getting closer to God, huh? Brunching with your squad or taking a girl's trip. Adjust your crown, you guys give to the world, sis. Celestial body, drink your water. Meditate, sun kiss goddess, heavenly order. Levitate, tribe of Ashanti, black girl magic, melanin popping, whether you ratchet or lavish, whether you bougie or savage, you a gift and a treasure, you got to love a black girl getting a shift together, black girls are getting a shift together, these black girls getting a shift together, man, these black girls are getting a shift together, these black girls getting a shift together, dog. joining me on this episode of Black Girls Getting Their Shift Together. If anything you heard today made your soul vibrate, please like, comment, and share this episode with two of your friends. Thank you and I love you all. Twenty twenty has proved that we must be prepared for the unexpected, which is why you should contact an Edward Jones financial advisor like Tom DeLeo Day. Contact him at 770-466-0031 to schedule an appointment. Tell him Black Girls Getting Their Shift Together sent you.